You're listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creativity, I'm talking about writing, and I'm talking about reinventing yourself through the arts. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jammin. Welcome back to another episode of What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? Well, today I'm talking about, as always, people who are doing creative things, who have invented themselves uh, creatively. And so my next guest has done just that. He's Tasting History with Max Miller. He's the host. And Tasting History is a really interesting channel. Uh, well, actually, well, we'll get, I'll get to it. But he's, he's got like two, 2 million subscribers, which is gigantic on YouTube. So, Max, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Excited. Uh, I, I'm so inspired by what, you, by what you're doing. So like basically your show, for those who haven't, for those who don't know, it's a cooking show, but it's also, he talks about the, it's, it's historical cooking. So what they made in ancient Greece or whatever, you know, or what prisoners ate, whatever. And so it's also, it's cooking, but it's also educational, which I find it's such an interesting little niche you have. And yet it's blown up. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, I actually always say I have a history show where I cook. Uh, because it's it's really starting to focus more on the history than than anything else. Um, well, tell me yeah, how I, how did this all start? Um, it started it, well, it kind of started with the Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. I used to um, when I when that show first came out, actually before it even came out here in the U.S., I I got obsessed with it and started baking everything that they had on it. Okay. Um, and that's really how I learned how to bake. But they would always talk about the history of the dishes that they were baking. They don't do that anymore. And so um, I would bring my baked goods into work. I was working at Disney, uh, the movie studio at the time. And I would bring in the baked goods and tell all of my coworkers a little bit about the history. And then one of my coworkers was like, you know what? Go, go tell someone else these little little anecdotes. Put it up on YouTube. Uh, find an audience. And so that's that's what I did. Um, Wait, were you trying to pitch it to Disney? Is that why? No, no. It was more that I just needed something creative to do. My job at Disney, I loved it, but it wasn't super creative, at least not my creative thing. You know, I was creating stuff for, for other people. Well, what, uh, what were you doing then at Disney? Uh, I, I had been working in marketing, so I had worked on the trailers uh-huh. and um, and stuff like that. And then in the months before I, I before the pandemic, really, I was working in sales, uh, selling our movies to the theaters, which uh, was actually a lot of fun and, and challenging, but um, not super creative in the way that I like to be. But tell me, so you're not from LA? You moved to LA for what reason then? To do voiceover. To be a voiceover actor. Yeah, I had been in New York doing musical theater for eight years. Okay. And uh, New York is exhausting. Yeah. And um, I decided, you know what, I need a I need a slower pace of life. So I moved out here and I had a few friends out here and uh, I wanted to do voiceover. Um, I was so I was always much more comfortable behind a mic than I was on stage or in uh-huh. front of a camera. And so I was like, OK, animation, that's that's the way to go. And it's, so I, I did that for a little while. Did you have uh, much success at it? it? It's funny you ask. So in animation, no, I did a few little things. Um, and in commercial, couple little things. But where, where I ended up getting a lot of work was in uh, audiobooks because okay. I have the voice of like, especially then, of like a 16-year-old boy. 
And so I was doing a lot of like YA audiobooks. Interesting. Um, See, this is so yeah. interesting. Okay, so you were an actor trying to get even more acting gigs and you must have become all right, it's good that you made some money doing voice acting voiceover for books, but it doesn't sound like you were at you you were as accomplished as you wanted to be. Is that right? Yeah. No, I mean I always had to I always had to be working at a restaurant or uh, -huh. uh or I started temping at Disney. Right. Um, and then that just turned into a full-time job. But yeah, I, I never made a full living for more than like six months at a time. I always okay. had all that. So, so you were, as I talk about this a lot, I, you could actors and writers, the same thing, you know, get me, help me get in the door, help me do the, you know, everyone's always begging for an opportunity, get me in, please let me. And then I guess at some point you just decided I'm tired of asking, I'm just going to do something that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and this is what happens when you put energy into something, you created your own little thing and you blew up. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the amazing thing about YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. You couldn't do this 15, 20 years ago. And, no. Or at least you could do it. It was just nobody would have a place to watch you do it. Um, and it's now it's just it's not easy, but it's available. But uh, it's an option. From what I see, like your show, <clears throat> everyone should again check it out. Tasting History with Max Miller. Uh, it, it seems like it's really well produced, and it seems like this is not. It look this is a TV show, but it's free on the internet. That's what I see when I look at it. Well, thank you. All I notice is, oh, my lighting this week was terrible, or oh god, I, you know, there's a typo on the screen. I only notice all the mistakes that I make. But do you um, do you shoot this? I, I'm getting it's from chatting in the kitchen. I'm getting is the kitchen in your house? Yep. Yeah, it's your house, it's your kitchen, and you have yep. it's it's lit. Do you have a team helping you, or are you doing this all your own on your own? It's all me. Um, you have I, no one I, helping you. I don't want to say no one helps me because my husband does the uh -huh. subtitles and he reads all the scripts beforehand to make sure that it's coherent. Because once in a while, I'll I'll say something and he's like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Everyone knows who that is. What is what that is?" And he's like, "No, everyone doesn't." So then I fix what that. What about um, editing and stuff? So I just, in the last couple months, brought on someone to help me with some of the editing. Uh -huh. uh, I still end up doing all the images and, and a lot of that, but she's fantastic and has cut down the major part of the editing for me because that was, I mean, I would spend 15 hours, 12 to 15 hours each episode just editing, yeah. and now it's maybe four. Um, and the rest is a lot of that. So now you, you use a lot of time, I imagine, to research and and yeah. to prep and to practice these recipes you're, you're, you're doing. Is that right? Yeah. Research is definitely the most intensive part. It's also my favorite part though. Uh -huh. uh, it's probably depending on the episode, anywhere from 12 to 20 hours of research and okay. then, and, you know, and then kind of crafting the script. And so this is your full-time job now. This is, this is how you make your living. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. It I mean, is more hours than I've ever worked in my life. But uh, I mean, you're great at it. You're great on camera. The content is very interesting, very engaging. Sometimes you take it in the field, uh, you know, which is an ex a great write-off. It's an excuse to get out of the you know house and shoot something on the field, which is great. Exactly. Have other opportunities come from this? Unexpected opportunities, maybe. Yes, absolutely. Um, one, I'm not actually allowed to talk about. 
but okay. uh, it'll be something on the standard actual television. Uh, so that's exciting. Right. Um, and then the other is, you know, I, I wrote a cookbook um, and that has done immensely well. It was on the New York Times bestseller list, which was something I never really expected that I would be on. Did they uh, reach out to you? Did a publisher reach out to you or did you? Yeah, they reached out to me shortly after I started the channel, actually. I think it was about six months in. It was somebody who had watched my uh, wow. Garam episode and said, I, you know, we would love to do this as a book. And it was it, it ended up be, being kind of rough because she was super excited about the project and she knew the channel. And then she got laid off. Yeah. So I got transferred to another editor uh, who has been absolutely great, but he didn't really know what to do with me because he did cookbooks. Uh -huh. And I was like, well, this is a history book with recipes in it. And he's like, OK, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it took a little time to kind of figure out exactly what we were doing. Um, but it ended up working out. But this is interesting because, you know, most people will approach a publisher. But please, I got a book. Buy my book. But when you build it yourself, it, it's the other way around. And it's just yeah. so much like make them come to you. And it's because you put the work in first. And how big was your channel when they first reached out to you? Not huge. It was maybe in the 200 to 250,000 well, subscriber, that's not, which is that's which is nothing. actually really big. Yeah. But not, you know, not where I am now. How did you what was the first video that you blew up on? What was that? Garum. Uh, it was oh, okay. so I started the channel uh, the last week of February, and this was I think the third week of June. Okay. Uh, so That's it wasn't fast. that long after starting. It was because it was COVID, and nobody uh -huh. had anything to do but watch YouTube videos. Right. Uh, and uh, it was you know I had been getting a few thousand views on my videos, which I thought was stellar because this really wasn't supposed to be a thing. Yeah. And then within a week, it was at almost a million views. And I had jumped from 10,000 subscribers to 150,000. Wow. Week. Wow. Um, now, I guess you can't talk about, obviously, you can't this project, this network project, but what about acting opportunities? And I mean, you're a face now, you're, you know, you're this guy people know. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to acting opportunities, uh, everything right now is yeah. acting myself, you know, right, right. Um, and uh, I'm sure that if I went out and auditioned maybe i could get something but i, I don't have time you know no, you this is time. yeah this is this is what it is and really at this point if i did something um acting wise i probably want to go back to musical theater which really? was my first love and um you know and and do some shows but oh, wow uh, I, I i wouldn't roll that out i mean you keep on building your audience and i certainly yeah. would not roll that out i mean uh well, what is, I mean, what is fame? Have you, are you getting recognized now? Or are you, you know, what's it like for you? I am. I actually just got recognized at Costco today. Really? Uh, I, yeah, it's funny. I, I get recognized very seldomly here in Los Angeles because uh -huh. I think everyone sees, you know, people out all the time. Right. But whenever I go anywhere else, I always get recognized, which is pretty awesome. Even in Greece. Even in I, Greece. I get recognized every day in Greece. By really? people who would watch this one video when I did this Spartan blood broth uh -huh. uh, video. Everyone in Greece, I swear, has seen that video. Uh, so that's how they all knew me. I wonder but if it's, it's awesome. I wonder if fame for people like you is different than 
like act, you know, movie actors or TV actors in the sense that you're this friend that they watch on the, or, or what do you think? It It is more of that. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like for Beyonce. Um, but I know for me, I do get a lot of people who it, it's, it's like we already have a relationship yeah, right. and that we're good friends because we hang out for 20 minutes every Tuesday. But um, not only that, they're probably looking at you at, on their phone, which is this close, like it's not even the yeah. TV. It's like, yeah. and, and, and do you think, I mean, that's. To me, that's the famous, such an interesting thing. I work with obviously a lot of actors, but they create, you know, when you're an actor, it's the character that they, that they know. Right. And, right. They, and sometimes they have a hard time differentiating between you and the villain that you play. It's like, you know, yeah, that's not me. Yeah. but with you, it's, it's different. I, much, I think it must be, must be very different. It's you, you know, you're a friend, I think. Right. And I mean, in the show, that's, that's me, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not any character at all. It's just, this is how I am. Um, and so it does create a, a a bond, I guess. Um, you do get to know. It is so much more about the creator. There are other people who have maybe started to kind of do what I do or that were already kind of doing what I do slightly differently. You know, I'm not the first person to cook historical food by any means, uh-huh. but I'm me doing it yes. and they are them doing it. And so it will always be different. People are like, oh, they're coming for you. No. There's so much room for everyone because everyone is an individual. And, you know, B. Dylan Hollis approaches historic food in a very different way. I don't know if you know him, but no. he's on TikTok. He's huge. He's fantastic. He has a great cookbook out. But his personality is his personality right. and mine is mine. And even if we covered the exact same topic, it would be done in such a different way. Was there okay. any ever was there ever any like imposter syndrome on your end? Like I, I didn't go to culinary school. I'm not a this yeah. or that. Uh-huh. Every, every day. Um, I mean, the fact that I have a cookbook out is is insane. Um right. yeah, no, there is both on the cooking end of things and the history end of things, because I'm I'm not a trained historian either. Right. Really, the show is just me reading things that I thought were interesting. Um, and me fumbling my way through the kitchen until I come up with something that I think was what the recipe was trying to get at. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of times these recipes, as I look at them, like they just say what the ingredients are. They don't say the the proportions. They don't, they certainly don't say the temperature was cooked at if it was cooked in middle ages, like, you know, and so you're just going by what you think it should be. Yeah. They're all vague, um, to sometimes to the degree of, you can't even tell if this is a bread or a soup kind of vague. Um, but with context clues, you know, you can't just read the recipe. You have to read other things usually in the cookbooks or other cookbooks from the time. Um, and then leaning on other historians and scholars who have done work for years and years, you're kind of able to make an educated guess on a lot of things, but that's all it's ever going to be. But do you think, like, can you tell me like how food dishes have changed over the centuries? Or is there like, are we using way more sugar now or something? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. I mean, and that's partly, I mean, partly because our palates have just changed in a way, at least here in the United States, Uh but also because it's so much cheaper. You know, in the middle ages, they loved sugar but it was being grown in Indonesia or India, 
And so it had to come a long way. And then it had to be refined to become white sugar, which was an incredibly lengthy process and incredibly expensive and really only done in in one or two places in the world. Uh-huh. So a little bit of sugar was like you're showing it was like buying a Lamborghini, you know, and, and yeah. showing off your wealth. So most people didn't get it. Whereas then you get to like the 18th century and all the poor people are putting sugar in their in their oh, really. Tea. And so the rich people were like, we don't want that in our food anymore. We're going to go with fresh ingredients instead. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. And, and then like that's another thing. Like processed food is so is so relatively new. And obviously, yeah. was there, there was, was there any kind of version of processed food in his, historically before, you know, I mean, modern age? I guess it depends on what you mean by process. I don't know. Something that was, I don't know. What does it, what does it mean to be processed? Because like if you take corn and make it into cornmeal um, and nixtamalize it, which is a laborious process that ta- that needs lye and you're boiling it and then grinding it in a certain way. The Aztecs did that. So it's been done right. and, and far, far be- before them, thousands of years. So that's a process. Um, making sugar into white sugar is a lengthy process, but that's been done for hundreds of years. Well, no, thousands of years. Um, so is it, you know, a Stouffer's microwave meal? No, but we have had processed food for forever. It's just okay. a different process. What do you think when you cook it? I mean, I imagine the biggest problem this is why a cooking show will never work. If I'm a, this is why I'm an executive. No, this is why it will never work. Is because people can't taste it, and yet yeah. it, obviously it does work. And so, what do you? Like, how do you cross? How do you get over that hurdle when you when you're done with a dish? You know, I mean, I think honestly, visually, people aren't mm-hmm. able to kind of feel like they know what something tastes like just by knowing all the ingredients that are in it and then seeing it visually. Right. Whether that is correct or not, who's to say, but that doesn't mean that the enjoyment isn't still there. And then I taste it at the end of the episode and I try my best to describe it, but my description skills are not the best, especially on the fly. Because usually when I'm tasting something on camera, it is the first time that I've ever tasted it. Um, I only make the recipes once. So right. um, unless something goes horribly wrong, it's the first time that I've tasted it. And so, you know, right then coming up with with words of how to describe it, I'm, I'm not the best. It's something I'm working on. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't seem to harm things. But I'm a little surprised when you say like you're it's you alone in the kitchen. You have a couple of cameras, you turn them on, you hope they're in focus and you run in, you run, run in front of the camera. Like, I'm surprised you don't have a director. I don't know, giving you feet or helping you giving, you know, more joy on your face or something, you know? <laughs> So it's it's funny you say that every so <clears throat> Jose, my husband, focuses the camera right before I shoot mm-hmm. to make sure I'm in focus because so many times I've filmed an entire thing and I'm not. Um, so he focuses the camera, hits record, <clears throat> and then says high energy and then leaves the room. And so that's <laughs> the direction that I get at the beginning. High energy. And often in my script, I will write in, you know, more energy, more energy. Just because you, you do need a lot of energy on camera um, to, to kind of come yeah. through. Um, you do. You do. It, people don't realize that. Um, yeah. When you're when you're just being when you're really just being yourself on on camera, it comes across as super flat. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a heightened so version of yourself. I kind of have to remind myself. Right. Yeah. And so I actually, I had a lot of thoughts about that, but I wonder if there's this, if this is an opportunity for you to do even like, I don't know, like a live show. I don't know. Cooking. I don't know. Is there something like that that you're thinking about exploring or, you know? So, yeah, I actually have thought about doing like live shows. Um, simply because one of my favorite things to do is meet people who watch the show. Uh-huh. It's a very insular kind of kind of life. You know, I, I work alone. I do everything pretty much all at home yeah. alone. Um, so meeting people who watch the show has been really exciting. And on book tour, I got to do that really for the right. first time. Um, and so I think doing a, a live thing where I cook and talk about the history would be great. The only thing is, I am a a really messy and slow cook. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I am not Julia Child, who used to do it all live every week. You know, I I couldn't do that. So, it yeah, but you couldn't you, couldn't you have two versions? All right, you got a, you know, the messy version, and there's the oh, by the way, here I did this earlier. Here's the here's the real version. I mean, you know, I think people would know that, but a pre, you know, would get, would be kind. You know what I'm saying? They don't yeah. understand. Yeah. I don't know. You don't know. Do you what? Is it hard for you when you do watch your? Yeah, you know, I guess when you're editing, you watch everything. But now that you're not editing it, I mean, what's it? What's it like for you even watching yourself? Really, once it's out, mm-hmm. I never watch them again. Yeah, um, and it's not necessarily that I find it hard to watch myself. What I find hard is when I do go back and watch older videos, it pains me yeah. to see. I, I'm I'm proud of how far I've come, but it pains me that I was ever not where I am now. And that yeah. comes with the the technical the te- mm-hmm. technical aspects, the lighting, the sound, all of that. But really, more than anything, it's the, the my script writing has just become so much tighter. Right. My the, the how I go in depth on the history has has really changed. So eventually, I kind of want to go back to some of the earlier topics that I talked about. And redo them um, because I'm like I talked about the history for three minutes. I've got 20 minutes of content to do. So people don't realize that they're sometimes they think they're afraid of putting themselves out there because they're going to suck. And you are going to suck. That's why You're you keep suck. doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, do you? Uh, oh, I had it. No, I, it, it came in my head and just it just lost it. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, do you feel this pressure? Uh, I mean, you do you do one a week, right? Usually once in a while I'll do two, but usually once a week. Do you feel this incredible, like it never ends. It never ends. Is that a burden? Is that something you struggle with or no? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it is because it, it is every week and you know, people are like, well, you can take a week off, but one YouTube does not, they, they say they don't mind that, but they do. Um, yeah. yeah. The algorithm does. Yeah. And two, for me, I feel like it's going to be like, like the gym. If I take one day off of the gym, I'm probably going to take two days off yeah. and that'll be a week. Um, and I think if I miss one episode, it'd be like, Oh, well, I'll do that again next month. You know? And, and so I just, every Tuesday, um, it is, I can't think too, too far ahead because it does get kind of daunting. It's like, Oh my yeah. gosh, when will I run out of ideas? When right. will, and when I go <laughs> on vacation or take a trip somewhere, getting those videos ready ahead of time you know my my friends and they don't see me for for weeks at a time because mm. 
I'm working from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. seven days a week for the two weeks before I go on vacation. It's, it's that much work, really. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I work probably 10 hours a day with breaks of petting the cats and going to get lunch. But it's all day and it's pretty much seven days a week in some respect, even if I'm not working on an episode per uh -huh. se, I'm uh, coming up with ideas for other things. I'm going through my emails. Uh, yeah. It takes me months to respond to an email um, or going on, you know, Instagram and cleaning up that and Facebook. There's just so many different aspects to it that there is no time that I'm not somewhat in tasting history mode. When you say cleaning up in Instagram, what does that mean? Uh, going through comments, going through <laughs> messages. Because now, now um, I'm going to get now I'm going to get to the real stuff. So when you say going through comments, are, is there any of it is any of it haters? Are you dealing with any haters? Very rarely. Uh -huh. um, I have a really positive audience, but they come along, and there are right. there's a fair share of you know well actually going on. Uh, and I think yeah. anytime that you share facts of any kind, you're going to get that because especially with history. Yeah. There's so much up for debate. There's so much vagueness in history that you, you can't ever please everyone. Do you um, respond to them? What do you, how do you treat it? Once in a while I will, if they're polite, then I yeah. will. Um, right. If they're not, then I don't because usually it's like, well, they're having a bad day. You know what? Right. I I've watched your channel. Yeah, well, that's why I'm know. asking how you do That's why I want to know how yeah. you do it. Cause uh, it's, it's hard. It, it is really hard. And it, when I first started, it would, a mean comment would ruin my week. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. dwell on it. I get a thousand good comments. Right. And I get one bad one. And it's just all week. And I'm like, should I change how I do my entire show based on this mm -hmm. one person's opinion? Maybe. Um, now it ruins my hour. And then I usually forget about it. Do you leave but, it there? Or do you, oh, go, but go on, please. Oh, so sometimes I sometimes I do, but a lot of times I don't. It, it, especially if it's if it's really just mean, or um, if there's any kind of racism, homophobia, right. anything like that, uh, which does happen, I get rid of it. But if it's more of just a critique of any kind, I'll usually leave it. Um, do you block these people or no? I only block people if they are being truly vile. Right. Okay. That, right. I, you know, I don't need them in my audience. Um, I also have a secret weapon and that is my husband who uh -huh. actually does go through all of the comments um, and gets rid of most of the mean ones before I can ever see them. But he doesn't respond. He doesn't, he doesn't engage or does he? he not with a mean one. No, he just no. gets rid of them. Um, yeah. He engages with the, the positive. Yeah. Right. People don't realize it. I mean, it really is. It's it's one of these weird weird things where you uh, you have a voice. You now have a platform. You have a voice, and but in many ways you you can't use it. You can't respond. It doesn't. It's just that you just can't. You just can't. You know. It, it's it's never going to do any benefit. Yeah. Really. Um, though there have been times where I have responded, and especially if somebody tries to correct me. And I, I'm not always right. I've made mistakes. Um, uh -huh. That's just the nature of putting stuff out there. But if, if I know I'm correct um, and you know, they, they try to correct me, 
I'll respond and say, hey, actually, they did have sugar in the Middle Ages. Um, and very often, even if it's a nasty worded comment, they will follow up being uber apologetic and like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know why I came yeah. across that way, you know, because most people and myself included, when you're when you're on your phone or whatever, it just whatever crap comes to your brain goes onto the phone and it's gone. And then you don't think about it anymore. But, but I when I get it, it's all I think about. But I disagree with you. I th- I, I'm guessing the fact that you've been doing this so long with your, you know, your channel, I bet you don't leave any kind of comments that are even remotely negative now. No, no, I do not. Um, right. What what comes, but sometimes when I'm responding to comments, I don't necessarily even think about the response. And, and it's not that I'm responding in a negative way or mean it's just i will respond to 10 comments and be and realize i was on autopilot i wasn't even really reading necessarily what you know and so i got to take a second and be like they took time to comment i'm going to take time to read it and and respond granted i only respond to maybe one percent of the comments but those comments isn't that interesting i try to actually respond i'm curious to how you think this whole thing, and it hasn't been that long. It's only been, what, two or three years your channel's been up? Uh, it'll be four in oh, four. February. Okay, wow, yeah. okay. So how is how do you think it's changed you as a person? Um, my I've always had a good work ethic, but mm-hmm. now it is a little, like, just, I have a very good work ethic. Right. Um, I, I don't want to call myself a workaholic, because I mm-hmm. do take take breaks uh, to play with Lego and stuff. But, you know, I I really hold my, because nobody else is going to hold me accountable. Um, So I just have to really hold myself accountable. You know, I, this is not the first creative endeavor I've, I've tried. I worked on a book for a while. I worked in animation, uh, making my own cartoons for a while. I was doing all this other stuff. And once it didn't work out or whatever, I would, I get frustrated and I stop doing it. Um, this is the only one that I've stuck with no matter what. It's just like, you got to put out the work, even if I get to sit down on my computer one day, and this happens every week, and I have no ideas, and I'm looking at a blank page, and I'm like, I don't I don't know what next week's episode is going to be. Right. I just sit there until it comes to me. And that is not how I was when I worked on some of my other projects, it was like, if it doesn't come easily, I quit. Yeah. Is it, are you, so the, uh, are you, the animations, the yours then in your show? Are you, do you do all that then? Yeah. Um, I mean, by animations, well, I don't know like the words coming up on the screen. Well, but is there any, I, I, was, I thought, I, I thought I saw other stuff, but no, you don't. I mean, why are you not adding animation then? So there are two things that I, that I didn't animate. So when the show first started, I animated, uh-huh the um the opening segment and the time for history mm-hmm. little interstitial uh but a couple years ago i hired someone to do a better job um okay. and so they they did those i don't do the animations because animation takes you, you're in it. it takes forever yeah. yeah um and really my most valuable commodity now is my time and so if if there's any way to make stuff go faster and keep it quality, I'll do it. Now that's an interesting question. So are you, are you, um, because there are ways that you could do this with less quality, but you're not tempted to, you're not tempted to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm 
I don't want to say I'm not tempted, but I haven't. And I don't think I will. Uh Um, I'm often tempted. I think that I could find um, editors to to find images for me. Mm -hmm. Right. I have tried. It's been far less quality. Um, I've, you know, hired people to help with scripts and it just hasn't worked out. It has. Mm -hmm. And. May I don't want to say I'm the best. I'm the only one that can do this because I know that's not the case. I'm sure that other people could do it. It's just I'm not great at delegating. I'm not great at giving up control right. because it's my thing, and I know exactly how I want it to be. And yeah. yeah, you know, could I get out more episodes if I, you know, gave up that control? Yeah, probably. But it's doing. So well, I I guess I don't need it to. I'm fine having one channel and, you know, right. having it do as it's doing. People are like, well, you should be doing this project and this and you would have time to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I would. But I like what I'm doing. I'm really enjoying my life right now. So was it hard for you to to, to quit your your job and to do this full time? So I. um <clears throat> I didn't have a, much of a choice, so I can't say that it was hard because I uh-huh. started the channel in the last week of February 2020, right. and I was selling movies to movie theaters. Oh, okay. So by the second week of March, right. I no right. longer had a job. job. I was technically still employed by Disney, and they continued to pay for my insurance and, and everything. Uh-huh. Um, by the time they said, hey, do you want to come back? It was April of 2021 and the channel had taken off. And so I was like, nope, I'm going to do this. It's not a sure thing, but my husband was still working for Disney. And so it's not like we would starve if I failed. Right. Uh, So it was not, I mean, it was a hard decision in as much as I loved my job at Disney. And I really missed the the people that I worked with. I still miss people yeah um i miss having co-workers but when it came to i, I knew that this was going to work you did, I just did well it kind know? of already was though i mean that's the thing it, it, yeah no it, it kind of already was and i knew i think i knew that i had a list of hundreds of ideas uh-huh. ready to go and i had and i knew that i was getting better and so i thought well, if I've gotten this much better in a year, I'm going to get a lot better in another year, in two years. So, right. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my content, and I know you do because you're listening to me, I will email it to you for free. Just join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos of the week. These are for writers, actors, creative types, people like you. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And the price is free. You got no excuse to join Go to michaeljammon.com slash watchlist. And now back to what the hell is Michael Jammon talking about? What about collaborations with people? Is that something you do? I, I didn't notice any. I've done a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I have a couple actually coming up that I'm doing. I don't do that many. Partly because. Like, hey, look who's in my kitchen this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think um, I, I watched one of one of your episodes in the last couple of weeks was with mm-hmm. uh, someone young guy on TikTok who said collaborations are the way to grow. Right. That's not the case with um, 
with my kind of channel. Right. Uh, it to a degree it can, but that's just not it, with YouTube. It's not as important right. um, anymore. It used to be, but not as much anymore. But also, it's a lot more work. Oh, is it's, it? Why? Just from well, from a technical aspect, I, I have trouble setting up one microphone, let yeah. alone two microphones. Yeah. Um, I, I have trouble, you know, I film in my kitchen. I know where everything is gonna be. So if ever I have to film in any other location, it's a nightmare. Um and you have to when I'm writing a script, I'm writing it for me. So when I bring in a second voice and I don't know what they're going to say and everything, it yeah. just it's it's so much harder. Right. Nothing in in my show is off the cuff uh it's i have i have scripted it down almost to the word are you Um, on a teleprompter then no so when i'm speaking it it is somewhat off the cuff it's not word for word what's on the script but i write out the script word for word i'll read a paragraph i'll remember it and then i'll regurgitate it to the camera but changing the words ever so slightly. So it comes right. across as if, you know, it's the first time I'm saying it. Um, but no, I'm not on a teleprompter. Uh, I don't think I could be. I, I, um, I don't know that it would come across as real. Are you, for me. are you, are, are you doing multiple takes then or what, or no? Multiple many, takes. Many, many, many takes. takes. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially because I do trip over my words and yeah. and everything. And, uh, you know, there, there are often times a lot of foreign words and complicated names and dates mm-hmm. and everything. So I'm always kind of having to look down at the script to, to remember what I'm saying. Um, and then I, you know, and that is what my, my new editor is editing out. I, I'll give her uh, an <clears throat> hour and 20 minutes. Uh-huh. That needs to be cut down into 18 minutes because of all of the mistakes that I've made. And then you'll you'll give her notes on that cut and use a different take or, or no? So usually whatever the last take I took is the take that I want. Because oh, okay. um, once I've got it right, I'll move on. Right. Um, and she's, you know, she has my, my cadence down really, really well. So right. there are very few comments that I have to give her. And uh, she's super fast so she turns it around literally three times faster than i ever could right um, it's pretty astonishing so it's it, it so far it's been a great a great help it's so interesting like i said it really looks like it i'm surprised that you said you're the only one it looks like a tv show it looks like there's like a bunch of people helping you out and Thank so you. Are you monetizing mostly through ads on on youtube and or you know or selling your cookbook and and you know what? How yeah, do you do that? The, I mean, ads is definitely the number one uh-huh. spot for me. Um, and then I have cookbook. I, I do sponsorships. Uh, I have a Patreon. There, there oh, I other saw that. That's right. The Patreon, yeah. which is so in, it's so interesting. So because now that's the problem with Patreon. You have to think of additional bonus content that you that you know you charge people for that you're not putting in your show. I mean. It, and yet you're putting so much in your show. I, I'm like, what's bonus? Yeah, so there isn't a lot of bonus content on my on my Patreon okay. because everything does go. That, luckily, my patrons they they know how much is going into each episode, so they know that I, I don't so really what, have time. So what's the advantage? I, I have other other things. Like the the main thing is we do a monthly 
um, happy hour. We uh -huh. make a cocktail and we do a Zoom happy hour. Um, Interesting. You have been yeah. actually taking advantage of it, <laughs> which is, um, and I send out like little gifts every few months, um, magnets and stuff that are associated with the show, stickers, things oh. like that. Um, and, uh, but one thing I do do uh -huh. is with the first cookbook and with, I'm working on a second, um, they help me with the recipes. So I give them the recipes and they help with the testing. And so we have a, just a lot of back and forth and they're, they're just so helpful. And oh wow! so it's How more of a relationship that grows um, with, with the, the patrons. And so you get a, a handful of people on zoom and you just chat for an hour or so. Yeah. And these are just, these are basically huge fans. They're just huge fans. That's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because like when I was on book tour, I would actually get to meet some of them in person. You know, they uh -huh. would live in the towns. When I was in Dallas, we actually did a real happy hour and had like 20 patrons get together. And we really? just all went to a bar and had drinks and hung out. Um, isn't this so crazy? It's, I mean, isn't this crazy? It's, I mean, it's, it's surreal. Yeah. Surreal. Yeah. It, it's so interesting. And you didn't, when you put up your page, it's people, it's, it's such a creative way to make, to make a living. You didn't know any of this when you started. Your, you must have been like, I don't know what I'm doing on page. And then you just figured out what my Patreon account was going to be. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, and I actually had to have a viewer tell me about Patreon. I, I didn't know about it. And they were like, you should be doing this. Uh, and I was like, oh, OK. Um, and there's been a lot of that. I've actually learned a lot from my viewers, um, Patreon, patrons and non-patrons. Um, you know, I say that when people give me critiques, I, I don't often take them, but sometimes I do, especially early on. Mm -hmm. There was one person who wrote me an email and it was really critical and it was really long. It wasn't mean spirited. It mm -hmm. was absolutely in the spirit of, I know how you can do this better. Yeah, but it was also unsolicited. It was unsolicited. Right. I had only been doing it for two months. It broke my heart. It right. was horrible. And yet I thank that person so much because everything that that person said was spot on. And I have put, and I put those into practice and it made the show all the better. So even when it's unsolicited, even when it's mean spirited, he was not at all, but even when it is mean spirited, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. Um, and so uh, sometimes you got to listen and say, hey, maybe I can improve in this way. And then sometimes you got to say, screw you. And and it's knowing what to take and what not to take. That is honestly the hard part, because how did he know? Like, what, what was his, what was the basis for his expertise when he gave you his opinion? I have no idea. Right. I honestly have no idea. Was he just someone who watched a lot of videos um, or was mm -hmm. he someone who made videos? I kind of feel like he was someone who made videos or was maybe right. someone who had been in, in directing or editing because his advice was very technical right. was on, you know, um, had, had, it, it was it was stuff that if you had never been involved in being on camera or watching people on camera, you wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then some of it was storytelling. Right. I mean, it was, it was lengthy. It, I think if I had printed it out, it would have been seven or eight pages. Um, Interesting. And, and he was spot on. And I've had plenty of other people be spot on about things. And then sometimes most of the times they're not most of the times they don't know what they're talking about right. they have like you said they have no expertise or whatever um and then there are times where it's like yes you're right but doing that would either be too expensive or too laborious or you know i all sorts of things i mean you get things pe people being like you should redo your kitchen oh yeah Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I'm going to be, but not because you told me to. Right. But if you do, that's going to shut down your show for a couple months. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, I, I might set. end up I might end up going and filming at all my friends' kitchens. So for yeah. like two months, you'll get an episode in different that's a, kitchens. That's a good idea if they if you if your friends will have, they're up for it, but they've <laughs> they've all they've all agreed. And then would you put them in it too? Or no? Too hard. No, probably not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's too hard. Okay. It's so interesting when you talk about Patreon because it's one, you know, people have asked me, are you going to do that as well? It just seems like another thing I have to think about and almost, almost another burden I have to worry about once, a, once a month, I got to worry about what else am I going to give people? What am I going to mail people? What, what magnet, yep. like, you know, it's, it's, it is something to think about. And then I, I felt like, you know, it's just like, is this going to be a burden on me? I'm worried about burdens. You know? Yeah, no, I, I I get it, and I think um, if I was where I'm at today, I probably wouldn't start a Patreon. Really? Um, because you know, because are you doing it for you? You need the income, or are you doing right. it for other reasons? And I so guess that's kind of, kind of the question. The, well, the question is really, and I'm sure you think about this. It's like you're building a fan base. You're building, you're building your, your tribe of people who will support whatever project you do next, whatever. Uh, you don't know what your next thing is going to be five years from now, but, but right. it, it's great to have a super fan base. And exactly. And that's kind of, I mean, is that the reason why you have a Patreon? I mean, that's why I have one. And honestly, so when I do get those mean comments or <laughs> when I get down on myself and, you know, a video doesn't perform well or, or any reason, I have my Patreon patrons who are there to boost me up and right. give me, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, this video didn't do well or whatever. But it's like, but these people support me so much that they are willing to part with their dollars to support me and are, it, it's, it's not just about the money. It is about their fervor um but are you checking in with them once a, i mean other than the, yeah. the, the monthly call are you checking in with them on a daily basis or what are you no doing? not daily um you know i post on there and and everything and I, i'm trying to get better uh, uh -huh. and and nurture that a little bit more one thing i'm trying to do especially in the new year is have more ways to connect without yeah. i'm making more actual content um and that is going to be with the with the cookbook um and so we're figuring out ways where i can kind of show them a bit more of the behind the scenes yeah people like that cookbook. do you have a uh, newsletter as well no i don't i'm actually uh, i'm almost ready to finally hit publish on my website that i've been working uh, on forever and ever um right. 
and and there will be a newsletter, a, a way to sign up, even though there is no newsletter, newsletter. at the moment. Yeah, um, because it it just comes down to, I have no minutes in the day. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, I I'm always having to choose. It's like, do I want to start a podcast or do I want to work on uh, more videos or do I want to do more shorts for YouTube and TikTok and Instagram? I can't do it all. Yeah. Do I want to write another cookbook? I can't do it all. So I, I'm having to pick and choose. Though a yeah. podcast is something I would like to to do in the new year as well. And a, a cooking podcast or no, or just a no, no. What um, would it be? It would it would be more history focused. Oh, okay. Um, all the history that I can't talk about on the show because I can't figure out a way to tie it into into food. It would uh -huh. be more of that and more conversational. Um, not quite as produced, not as scripted. Right. More, you know, telling a story, interviews, yeah. uh, talking to other historians, to to people who are in it, um, episodes where me and my brother, who can just talk, talk, talk forever, you know, we each read uh, some history book and then just kvetch about it for an hour. Right. Right. Um, so that's what I want to do, and and that again is more about building community, yeah. giving people more of 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 that stuff without it's less about the money and more yeah. just about building that audience. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah, I, that's so it's so you're doing it the right way, obviously who would have thought, I mean, you, it's when I look at your 2 million subscribers, that's nuts, man. I mean, you understand yeah. that there are TV shows that don't get a fraction of that. The frat, they don't get a fraction. That's, you know, I was talking to someone recently who um, has straddled the world of YouTube and television. Uh -huh. And YouTube is still, social media rather, is still very much kind of the redheaded stepchild. And, and yeah. it's, you know, traditional publishing and traditional TV mm -hmm. gets so much more clout. Yeah. But this is actually where the dollars are. And this is where mm -hmm. the, the community and the you know the fan base is this is still important but he's he was like you know if do i put in two years of working on a tv show or do i put in two months of working on more youtube videos and the end result ends up being pretty much the same and yeah. i own this right netflix owns this interesting because i was talking to a very big youtuber who i know well uh, a couple weeks ago who was pursuing, he's huge on YouTube and was pursuing some TV opportunities. Like, what? why am I doing this? It's just for validation. It's not for money. It's not for creativity. It's not for control. It's just for some stupid validation that I will never get anyway. <laughs> so no, why am I doing it, it? It's absolutely true. It's, I mean, it's funny with the, with the cookbook, mm -hmm. you know, there's, you don't make a ton of money in, in, cookbook sales unless you're Martha Stewart but right let me tell you my parents were far more impressed that I had published a cookbook than really <laughs> than my YouTube channel right. because there is still there's still a place for it that's still you know it 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 is still important and there is still that kind of legacy media yeah. uh, thing about it um and I'm glad I did it because now I have a 
book that will get yeah. to always sit physically on a shelf, even if all digital stuff dies dies away yeah. from solar flare. That book will still be on a shelf. Is there any? Do you have any worry though? Because you know algorithms change every second. People's accounts get shut down. I mean, everything changes in a, in a dime. Is that any concern of yours? Uh, I'm always stressing about it uh -huh. um, because, you know, I, I stress less about the algorithm changing, even though it, it could absolutely happen and, and views drop by 90 percent. It happens to other channels all the time. Yeah. Um, I, personally, I'm more worried about me burning out and that uh -huh. happening. Um, but I do worry about a channel being taken over or, yeah. you know, faulty, uh, copyright claims. Yeah. And all, you, you just, and there's, there are ways to combat against that, but even some of the biggest creators, uh, have fallen prey to it. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, but yeah, you I know, stress about it all the time. You do. Right. I mean, obviously the answer is. Yeah, on your own platform and or you know you know not be be agnostic to platform but obviously you have ones that do right. better than others so what are you going to do about that yeah i mean obviously youtube is is really where i'm entrenched but uh -huh. i am trying to make that's one reason why i'm trying to work on the short form content to yeah. get a bigger following on instagram and um and tiktok so if something happens i can put out a blast and say, Hey, I'm still here. Um, right. you know, there's just, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not as easy as people think it is. Uh, uh, and that's why people give up. And I think that's the good news because it just, you know, leaves, it leaves more space for people like you who don't give up, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and the cool thing is, you know, everybody, I remember when I started the channel, I watched a lot of videos on how to start a YouTube channel. Uh -huh. Really? I remember so many people then were saying YouTube is saturated. There is no more room. You know, who is, who's on YouTube is on YouTube and nobody more can get in. And obviously that's not true. Right. And, um, and something there, it's like, it always grows. It's like the goldfish, you know, it just will grow to fill whatever. It's interesting because I've been on, I've been on YouTube for a long time. I I get very little traction on it on TikTok. I'm, I'm pretty big, but YouTube, no one seems to care. Well, and that's the thing, you know, on on TikTok, I can't usually get people to watch most of my videos. It works uh -huh. on YouTube. I'll have one thing that works really well on Instagram, but right. not on TikTok, and vice versa. So when I say like there's no space on YouTube, I think there absolutely is because there are new channels hitting a million subscribers every day. Right. Um, but there are so many more venues. There is TikTok. There wasn't tick five years ago. TikTok really was was very, very small. You know, yeah. and now it's huge. And so there are just always new things coming. Yeah. So if you put out good content. Yeah. People, I think, will watch. It's just they got to find it. And that usually is what takes time. Yeah. You know, I was talking to um, Taylor Lorenz, who wrote a book on the history of influencers and stuff. There's many people who are, you know, they'll, they'll, they prank videos on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. Right. And those poor people burn out real fast because they have to constantly one up themselves. If they prank, whatever this prank was today, the next one's got to be bigger. And then it's like, they're destroying their lives for, yeah. you know, because they have to, but, but, you know, you don't have to do that. You just have to 
you just have to come up with another recipe, you know, it, it, you yeah. know, you, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that because yeah, we, I was just watching a video where it's like, why is every YouTube video the most we did every blah, 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 mm -hmm. you know, it, it's because it's always, it's the Mr. Beastification. It's like got to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but I, as long as there's history that I haven't covered and there always will be and food that I haven't covered and there pretty much always will be, I've got stuff. So I think that before I run out of ideas, I will run out of me. Yeah. You know, I will burn out before that happens or not burn out, but get bored and get just bored not enjoy it. it anymore. In the moment I don't enjoy it anymore. People or, may not realize that even the thumbnails on YouTube, there's a lot of thought that people put on thumbnails and usually they're crazy and you yeah. don't do that. Your thumbnails are, are classy looking, but at some point you must have experimented with crazy thumbnails at some point. You know, I haven't gone super crazy because, and this is, this is, this is going to sound really ridiculous. The problem with the channel growing as fast as it did uh -huh. meant that I didn't get a lot of time to experiment. Right. Um, really, by the time, you know, I my videos between the second video and now, they haven't changed in format right. at all, really. Well, it um, works. It, it, it works, which is great. But there, you know, there are things that I would have probably changed to make it more to make it better or whatever, but I can't change some things now because the audience just loves it so much. And, and, you know, and now it's just kind of, but do you really feel that you, what would happen if you experimented? You don't, you, you're worried about losing them. Yeah. Not so much worried about losing them. It's more, you know, there's, there's like, I'm a collector. And uh -huh. so if I change too much, then it's like, well, this one doesn't belong in the collection. Like I have right. a few live streams on my channel and uh -huh. I don't even count them as, as, videos because like well it's not it's not that format. so that's more than your thing though i mean it's yeah it's my thing but uh -huh. also you know if i if i were to start over again uh -huh. i wouldn't have an eight second opening mm -hmm. yeah. title sequence that is youtube yeah, yeah it is um, yeah but it but it's not i mean it is but it's not people that's part of what makes it look like a tv show by the way it's yeah no it works i mean it's still it does work but it uh -huh. is kind of like I, you know what, what gosh what would have happened if i hadn't had that eight seconds um but it's not enough to since it is yeah. working it's like well why why change why change it um, yeah and whenever i've really experimented with thumbnails and tried to change it i haven't noticed that they've done better a lot better or worse uh -huh. partly because my channel is a little bit more you know a lot of people are like this feels like an old PBS show. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so classier. Yeah, it, it's classier, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, I don't think the thumbnail where I'm on there going would yeah, really. Right. It's it. You're of not going not. to because the video is not going to deliver on yeah. that. Right. Um, that's not what the video is, and so then it is clickbait, and yeah. I, I hate that. You know. Yeah. So, are they the best? No, but do they work? Yes. And I'm, do you, I'm fine. Do you talk to a lot other or a lot of other, you know, creators and and to, do you think a lot about this or are you in your little silo and you stick to, you know, what you do? I'm very much in my little silo. Um, I mean, I think about it all the time, but I don't talk to many other creators about it. I do have a handful, especially in the last year since I've been traveling that I've uh -huh. gotten to to meet. 
Um, but part of the, the, the thing has been that they are, that they do have big teams. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, I've made friends with Josh on mythical kitchen. Who's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he puts out so much fun stuff. But, you know, that's a big group because it's part of the good mythical, mythical morning, yeah. you know, production world. Um, yeah. So when I've gone to film stuff there, there's a dozen people behind the camera. Yep. They've got like seven cameras and lighting in a studio yeah. and writers and editors and everything. So it's hard to talk inside baseball with him about all aspects because yeah. he's not involved in all aspects and yeah. other people who aren't involved in all aspects. So it's kind of like, all right, who does their own thumbnails? Okay. I can talk to them. Who does their um, editing? Oh, I can talk to them. Um, so that's kind of the problem with being a solo creator. There are plenty of us out there. It's just, I haven't met all that many. But even in terms of navigating you know, your career or navigating uh, trolls or anything. I'm surprised you don't have, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, when I, I'm not as social <laughs> as, uh-huh. I, as I probably should be. So I don't, there aren't many people that I talk to on a regular basis and and th- that not creators. I mean, just people in general, right. a handful of friends, none of whom are in this field right. um, who I talk to. I talk more about board games than I do anything else because that's what we do. We play board games. So, um, or most of my friends who are close are do more what you do. They're professional TV writers. Uh Um, And so I can talk to them about writing um, and storytelling, which has been a huge help. Um, And, but thumbnails, not so much. (laughs) It's so interesting. Well, Max, Max Miller, thank you so much for for joining me. You're, I, I think you're a huge inspiration. I think what you've done is so. I know, I, I know you're rolling your eyes, but I think it's so admirable. Thank you. I, you know, like I said, on my on my podcast, I just like to talk to people who invent themselves, which is what you've done. You have invented yourself, and you have not asked for permission. You just did it, and all these, you know, you put the energy out, and great things have come from it. And you know, I'm not I'm not a cooking guy. And I like your videos. I just think it's wonderful what you do. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't kill any, I can't make a sandwich, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much. But yeah, um, I want, so everyone should go, is your handle every, the same everywhere uh, uh, on all the, all your channels? Pretty much. Tasting history with Max Miller, um, mm-hmm. except on Twitter where I think it's tasting history one. Yeah. Cause it has to be short. Yeah. yeah. Twitter's Twitter short. Everyone go follow him, go check out his channel. It's such an interesting it's, I imagine you're going to have some great Christmas content coming up because yes. you have to. Yes, I'm for sure. On. Great. Max, thank you so much. Don't go anywhere. Uh, thank you for joining me. And everyone, be inspired by this guy. Keep, keep creating for more. You know, keep following me next week and you know, keep creating. All right. So now we all know what the hell Michael Jammon's talking about. If you're interested in learning more about writing, make sure you register for my free monthly webinars at michaeljammon.com slash webinar. And if you found this podcast helpful or entertaining, please share it with a friend and consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. That really, really helps. For more of this, whatever the hell this is, follow Michael Jammon on social media at Writer. And you can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. And music was composed by Anthony Rizzo. 
And remember, you can have excuses or you can have a creative life, but you can't have both. See you next week.